You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined with Svetlana, Khan, Johan and Saleh. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Joanne, do you want to kickstart us? Yeah, of course. So, hi everyone. My name is Joanne, Joanne Norman. I'm one out of five uh, engineering directors at Think. Uh, I've been in at the or in the uh, Stockholm startup industry for the last. I don't know, 20 plus years. It's, I'm afraid to say how long it's been, but about 10, 20 plus years at least. Uh, it's been an amazing ride and I'm very glad to be here. Perfect. Salar? Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Salar. I'm an expansion manager at Lendo, currently working on our um, geographical expansion to Portugal, which means I do a lot of market research, business case. Uh, working on, on legal and compliance, uh, but also responsible for the product design and, and the product development uh, locally, uh, as well as building the organization and marketing. So um, that's what I do. And on a personal note, I, uh, I really like to cook food and eat food, but I also am one of these paddle maniacs, uh, which I guess a lot of people are nowadays in Sweden. <laughs> that's good. And Svetlana? Ah, hi everyone. Um, so I'm Svetlana Holman. Uh, I live around Oslo and uh, work uh, for almost two years now in Telia. So and uh, it's uh, international, like cross country, uh, our product unit. So and uh, I'm my background uh, more from project manager side, but I keep myself more like a changer. And so far in the head, more uh, like agile coach and uh, scale agile. So from uh, outside of work, I like uh, going outside and be on nature. And Norway, of course, is just super place uh, to be. Uh, looking forward to our discussion. Perfect. And last but not least, Ken. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Hi, everyone. And thanks for inviting me to this uh, podcast and uh, talk with the uh, amazing panel here. Um, I'm currently working as an engineering manager at a Swedish uh, fintech company called uh, Bokio. Uh, I'm responsible for two of their teams uh, in their Stockholm office. Uh, Bokio's headquarters is in Gothenburg, but we have two teams in, in the Stockholm office. Uh, I have been in the industry for almost uh, 14 years uh, uh, in the software industry. And uh, like last five years, I have been mostly in leadership and manager roles, uh, like uh, engineering manager and such. I came to Sweden 11 years back uh, to do my masters uh, and then I like this uh, like to live here and that's how uh, I have like spent 11 years of my life in Sweden. Um, I like uh, in my free time I like to play badminton. Uh, I like to do sports other sports like sometimes I have played like uh, the Swedish uh, floor hockey like in a one day. Uh, I have uh, also tried like some um, sailing uh, in Swedish archipelago or like in Stockholm archipelago and so. Yeah, so that's pretty much me. 
Perfect. And now we've established a bit of context in each of you, let's move more on to the topic in focus. So you've all created a question or a statement on how to structure a high performance team. As usual, we'll work our way around the room, asking you each your question and your reasoning behind it. And then you'll have the opportunity to talk about it further and give your own perspectives. So Svetlana, should we start with you? Yeah, let's uh, start uh, with a uh, question and it's about uh, diversity because it's lots of uh, talk about it and uh, it's considered as one of like uh, key ingredients uh, for uh, high performance teams uh, and diversity. Uh, what I mean here, it's also from like gender, uh, perspective, age, background, uh, experience, so ethnicity also because it's uh, <clears throat> so just it's more uh, less standard maybe original decisions to see on an issue from other uh, different perspectives. But question when it works and maybe uh, in uh, some context uh, it's uh, maybe good to have uh, like uh, to have diversity, a very diverse team and sometimes it's just more uh, similar people just in some context. So just to share experience with the guys uh, for this topic, whether uh, in, in which context it can be positive, in which context may be better just have similar people. Let's start. <laughs> Shala? Yeah, sure. I think uh, this is a very interesting thing you mentioned here, uh, Svetlana. I mean, um, if if I, I can only look at our own organization, which is Lendo, and and uh, the, the last couple of years we've just like grown as uh, Really intensely, and and uh, you can really see that uh, number one. I mean, we're struggling like everybody else to to require uh, to to recruit uh, tech and you know uh, developers, etc. Uh, that has actually forced us to look at, at other places and um, other countries to to import and the the knowledge and the resources that we do need. But uh, it's such a great. Uh, atmosphere when you just enter the office and you you have like our official language is of course English, uh, but you, you you can clearly see that you know the age uh, if you look at uh, ethnicity and you know the culture etc. Um, we're having so good uh, discussions just in, in in the in the company and also uh, uh, I mean we use a lot of these things also we have uh, you know some people from Brazil that help me in Portuguese when I need translations and you know help me with tasks which were completely out of tech or and, and legal stuff you know there's a lot of benefits that you don't really see by by having a lot of um diversity in the team so i think uh, it, it's such a good and a, a vital uh, part of, of of being a high performance team and i completely agree with you for me i would say this is just a natural component like like the way that you tackle any kind of uh, task or or issue that you might have you want to see it and approach it from as many angles and, and possible solutions as, as you can. And going into and trying to form a team and not having that in mind that I want to form a team that have as most as many possible ways to actually tackle the, the tasks that they are going to, to have to work on and the, the issues they are going to, to resolve and not giving them the best possibilities to do this. It's just I don't know. Uh, so for me, I think the uh, diversity aspect of, of building high performance team is just some kind of hygiene factor that we need to take into consideration. 
Yeah, and uh, exactly like the thing that you guys have said, like I totally agree with you, but I think like sometimes, I, at least I have uh, seen the trend of like sometimes people uh, coin the term diversity uh, as like indicating like a gender diversity as one of the, or sometimes people just say, I mean, try to say that like diversity means like gender diversity and like it's, uh, uh, of course, like gender diversity is an important uh, thing, but uh, I think diversity should be also thought as like in a broader spectrum, not like only gender diversity, but it can be also like, you know, experience diversity. It can be like ethnic diversity, as you have mentioned, Salar, and also like, uh, I don't know, like different, uh, uh, like uh, cultural background and so on. So everything uh, should be combined together to make like a more diversified team. Yeah, I agree with you, Stasar. I, 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 in, in no way having any, any uh, I don't know. I, I totally agree with you with, in that, from that point of view. I think it's, it's easy from a tech perspective to look at the team and you can see that there are five guys in that team. So, so starting with gender is kind of the, the easy ticket in to start to talk about diversity. It's way easier to talk about gender than talking about, I don't know, uh, age, for example, uh, which which hardly ever comes up into the diversity discussion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think like uh, maybe the di di gender diversity, it can probably have a uh, stronger influence. It can have like, a, I don't know, like more important uh, factors uh, that can be a separate discussion. But I think like people often get misled by, by having diversity being uh, only interpreted as like gen gender diversity. Yeah, this is uh, uh, maybe also just uh, what uh, uh, I saw. Just it it it's often end up in gender, but uh, as we discuss now, it's absolutely like much more uh, uh, scope of it. It's uh, uh, and also what uh, from my experience, also just I also understand as being foreigner outside <laughs> of my original country, it, I understand also when. Uh, uh, some uh, companies also they uh, maybe just anyway when prefer to hire someone so they will hire uh, the most probably someone they know which university people from and uh, work in these companies <clears throat> but uh, this is uh, uh, it, it brings perspective from like foreigner perspective from background so we're like sometimes like black box <laughs> so but it's uh, companies who just uh, brave enough to hire uh, also different people, I believe it's a benefit. So and tele obviously like uh, uh, it's very international and uh, background. So it's it's good that we're on one, <coughs> on one page. <laughs> Seller, I have a question for you. Uh, you, you said that you were, uh, when you were recruiting, you were kind of recruiting I don't know, all over the world to, to, to try and find the right candidates, right? So did the diversity um, topic ever come up or was it just a natural evolution on how you decided to, to recruit and build uh, your company? Uh, very, very good question. So, I mean, of course, uh, being a part of a bigger organization, we do have a clear strategy and plan for you know making sure that diversity is, is, a, is a vital factor in, in all areas. 
of of the company from from management level to 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 every other level. But in this case, um, my my thoughts were more regarding the, the the tech department that we have, which is a which is a very big one, and. Uh, of course, we've had discussions uh, around it, and you know, tried. But it's it's it's. I would say the last years is more clear to us that that um, basically on being forced to look outside of uh, Sweden, not only gender and and the gender part has not been that big uh, in in our company, but just looking outside of our own borders and you know, working remote, um, including all uh, different areas. Like we have people from from Iran, like physically moving to Sweden, working for us, which is, uh, I mean, it's, it's a kind of a closed country, right? Um, and just having this, um, uh, you know, like, like a revelation, uh, I would say has been big for us, but it's, it's definitely included, but I would say it's, it's, it's a force of nature that pushed us into this situation with great results. Nice. I also think I've been, I've been in, over my years in, in the startup industry, I've been in a, a lot of different companies. And I think it's, there's really a difference if you foster an organization that thinks about diversity from the beginning, then you you don't have to, you can recruit in kind of the, the, the speed that you need. And you realize that the case of the last three ones that we recruited were guys. So perhaps we should actually recruit the girl into this team. It would make sense to actually have some kind of gender diversity or have some from, from another country or, or from another age or whatever. The, the hard part uh, that I see, or the hardest part is when you are in an organization that haven't thought about this and that you have a backlog of recruits that you need to do. So you need to recruit, I don't know, 100 more engineers. We, we need to have these 100 engineers coming in and we have an organization that is built mainly around men. Yes. To simplify this, let's make it a gender discussion. So uh, the organization that you have is basically only built by guys or by men, but and you need to recruit hundred more. And you have this kind of situation where you have the backlog and you have depression, everything you need to deliver. So how do you in that situation actually make sure that we need to step on the brakes here because we are going in the wrong direction. We need to get another kind of angle into how we actually look at this and how we start solving this problem. I think, uh, I mean, considering there's a lot of things there, right? So uh, I totally understand it. This is a huge problem, I would say, because either, either you would say, okay, we need to, we need to decrease uh, our, our ambitions and, and backlog and, and, you know, tasks and whatever it is that, that we're developing uh, in order to, to, to be able to, um you know focus on the recruitment and making the right type of recruitment in this case the, the gender uh, aspect um but it's also like would you in this case not recruit a male person just because uh we need to have female depending also on the you know the levels uh, what's this uh specific um know uh, requirements that we have etc i mean that's also like it's not actually an answer to your question i just want to develop the question and say is that something that you would do as a as a business owner as a, a team manager and and you know responsible for for taking the company further um so i don't have a clear answer on your question unfortunately but i just want to add this to it also which is i think it's something that that came up in my mind a couple of times but um i don't really have the answer for that and i don't think anyone has yet but i would be very 
keen on finding out if someone has it. Yeah, it's uh, again just it's to understand better context, but it's like more like a general observation. Uh, what can be done uh, that uh, anyway build this pipeline because what happens uh, anyway is there is some pattern in hiring and just where people uh, look and some algorithms, filters, etc. But if just uh, put this in agenda and start actually looking different filters, different people, so create this pipeline. First, it will be not uh, much maybe, but anyway, uh, it will help to uh, make it more diverse. If it will be like a target, just start looking for such people and just keep someone at least like meeting, even so maybe no position. So it depends on how many uh, you hire, of course, and the pressure on uh, recruitment. But uh, this is at least first step. Uh, any journey starts with the first steps, right? So. Perfect. Well, does anybody have anything else to add to that? No? Well, let's move on. I think it go quite nicely into Joanne's question about uh, the recruitment spiral. Okay, so I have, I have a couple of things to taking up cognitive load in my brain at the moment. And this is one of the things that I've been thinking of. And I, I really want to kind of present a problem here that I would like to discuss with you and see, okay, so how do you see the same kind of problem or situation in your organization and kind of how and what are you doing to tackle it? So the, the situation is this, grab any kind of engineering team that you have or any kind of product team that you have. Uh, four individuals, they have a, a great scope of things they're going to do, and they have an awesome PM working with them. So the PM is out trying, talking to stakeholders, collecting input for, to make sure they actually deliver on the right kind of values and, and realize that they slowly are adding to the scope that this team is responsible for. So the scope grows slowly and the amount of things that the team needs to deliver on actually gets to a situation where the team says, okay, hold on, we need to recruit another two individuals here. Uh, the four of us doesn't have time to do this. We need to recruit four, two more. So you recruit two more, you end up being six individuals in that team. Awesome, the PM continues his or her amazing work, collecting feedback and input from the stakeholders. The scope grows a little bit. The teams have the same kind of reaction. We are six now, we can't do this with six. We need to recruit two more. So you recruit two more and you become eight. And everyone that's been in this kind of agile software development scene for the last 10 years knows that eight is the magic number. We can't, can't have teams that are bigger than eight individuals. So what do you do? You split the team in two. Having two teams of four individuals with amazing PMs that work on the scope that slowly grows. So instead of ending up in this kind of recruitment spiral where the team just adds more scope and they continue to grow, I think we need to find another way to tackle how to make us effective in our production. We can't continue to just add engineers as the only solution to solve our, our delivery situation. So I'm really looking forward to hear, okay, so how are you handling this kind of I would guess efficiency that you need to work with the teams so you 
don't end up in a situation where the only way to solve the problem is adding more hands and brains to the team all the time. Sasa, do you want to go first? Yes, I can go first. I think like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we all have experienced this kind of situation that uh, uh, sometimes we have the, uh, we, are, we are in a luxury situation where we can hire one or two developers, right? But uh, I think like before we go to that, like it's, it's important to diagnose the uh, scope first or like the diagnose the situation of the team first, like w whether we really need to add like a, developer or we need to uh, add someone with a different profile taking an example right let's say uh, there are like four developers and one maybe a qa person and often it's uh, is the case that uh, the developers are getting stuck because the qa person is not like you know is overloaded with work because there are four persons giving a lot of things to test to the qa person and so on so uh, if we add like another more developers to the team, basically it creates like the even the bottleneck even more, right, to the to the whole team. So then I think the situation get become even more, uh, how to say, like uh, more complicated. So uh, I think uh, before we try to grow the team, we need to understand the team situation, their uh, their dynamics, and uh, how we can help the problem. Maybe like the team doesn't. Uh, understand their goal and that's why like the probably instead of growing in we need to do some sort of like coaching to the team and so on so i think like before uh, increasing the hit count uh, there are other things needs to be considered that lana uh yeah um it just uh, to to add to what uh, uh sazat also uh, told it's one way uh to look uh on a, a team and just uh, check about um, prioritization and also that uh, you have uh, i believe it's uh, usually it's also a problem to say no uh, which is it's need to be uh, told and clean backlog just it will be not look like you know something like from two years ago the most probably we will not do it so uh, it's uh, uh, first uh, uh, part also it's question uh, to do some um, a measurement and estimation what we have implemented is it really value uh, just based on this maybe some of scope will just come to this uh, uh, no <laughs> because uh, it's uh, some dead end maybe but just we continue we think it's like fancy uh, feature we will do it again just because I don't understand context that's why just we uh, bring different ideas uh, but also from another perspective, it can be not so bad uh, because if profit is going uh, up and just if you like follow some metrics that uh, it's uh, you hire people and just your uh, it brings value, it's uh, also can be okay. So just uh, and uh, in this case can be fine. And ah, I didn't mention number, uh, it, it's another dimension actually, it's uh, automation, of course, and just uh, look on a waste in the process. So that's if uh, uh, to find a way to do more with the same capacity uh, of the people. So it's another constant improvement that we all know about it. Yeah, I agree on the last one. And I think there are, there are as I said, I've been, I've been thinking about this for quite some time. And, I really don't have any answers, but there are two things that continuously comes back into my thinking. One is, and I really would like to hear how you do with this. So I think it's a good thing to review 
the, the team scope. So what's the team actually supposed to be responsible for? Not only, so if you have a, a, a product team, for example, and they are responsible for product A and another feature request comes in through, the, through a stakeholder. So the, the team then should have the ability to look at, okay, so this feature request, does it make sense in the, in the scope that we have as a team? Uh, and I think that's going into the, the possibility to actually say no and have a reason for saying no. Um, but re continuously reviewing team scope is one thing that I think would be really interesting. Another thing that I would really like to know if you're doing and how you're doing is that if your teams are tracking what they are spending time on and how they are making sure that they are spending time on the things that they should spend time on and eliminating time waste, so to say. So I don't know if you're tracking like uh, development time, meetings, uh, reliability work, uh, product discovery, whatever it might be and say, okay, so should, should our team actually spend 20% uh, of our time on customer support? Does that make sense for us? Or, or how do you do that? And how do you work with that kind of questions? Yeah, I think really uh, interesting thing that you have touched upon, Johan, uh, here. Uh, I think like the scope uh, is really important to revisit the scope and like said the goal, like if it is not clear for the team. And sometimes like talking about a scope, uh, maybe like, a feature request that can even evolve in a way that the feature can become a product, right? So probably that can be an indication for the team that, hey, now let's make the feature uh, to be uh, directed towards a new team and so on. So that can be one way. And also like sometimes maybe the, uh, for example, like maybe the, the product has become so complex and so big that maybe we need to have a separate DevOps team. I'm just saying as for example. So yeah, uh, as you said, like scopes, it's really important to revisit now and then. And then about his spending time. Yeah, how the team has spent their time is important, but it's also important to uh, not give them the feeling that as the manager, we are kind of like micromanaging them. Uh, so that's also important. Uh, it's like, uh, maybe that can be packaged in like a, some in a in engineering matrix way so that we say that, okay, uh, we are trying to track some time to find a uh, more efficient or like uh, some sort of like, um, I don't know, make the process more efficient and so on. So there are different ways, like maybe we can track like lead time, we can track maybe like the, um, uh, how to say like some cycle time that are like, you know, more, uh, more standard way to uh, track the time of a particular features that they are doing and so on. And yeah, that can also give us some insight if that is an indication that if we need to break down the team, if we have to make the team bigger and so on. I just want to jump that in maybe. really quick before you, Salah. I, I think Salah, the, the first thing that you said, actually um, branching off a DevOps team comes back to the recruitment spiral that we have. Then we need recruits who actually can create that team. So it's, it's even though it's a, it's a I don't know, good opportunity. I think that's basically what we're doing today, but it's not really solving the problem that we have to throwing more hands and brains on just fixing it. Uh, I might add to this discussion from um, a person being a bit outside of tech and, um, and more being the one that 
that says, okay, this is a great feature. We should add it. Um, I know myself and I would love for someone to, to turn back to me, maybe the PM to say, okay, get back to me in, in three weeks regarding this or two months. And then if I do, it's a, it's a very vital thing. Otherwise I'm going to just going to forget it because it's something I want right now. And I think that's a prioritization, which, which you could use. I mean, it's, it's a little bit unconventional maybe, but it's something that works for me. I know it, how, how I work and, and, and it's, it's, it makes sense. Then I would also say uh, maybe having someone from outside, just, just reviewing the, the case itself. So there's a, there's someone thinking of a feature that's going to add something to, to the product. And then it goes all the way down and then you have, uh, you know, the, the development teams, you know, thinking about, okay, we need to require, uh, recruit new people and grow, grow, grow. If you just let someone from the outside, maybe from a business perspective to look at it and say, okay, so if we do this, we, it will lead to X. I mean, let's just not do it. And then it, it, it kind of like overrules the, the, the decision to actually include the, the, the feature itself, but it could also, I mean, from a business perspective, maybe, uh, lead to a lesser of of this issue that you mentioned, you want. Um, I, I don't really know, but I'm yeah, a bit outside of the the tech teams and you know spending resources and how many hours, etc. I agree with Sazat uh, that if start tracking time, so it just uh, it's very thin uh, like balance uh, that it's micromanagement. So and just uh, because we like build teams that we trust also people and expect the best from them, and they are like. High-performing teams, by definition, they are like driven by uh, delivery. So if not, so it's a question again just to, to set this environment. But uh, just a short comment about uh, maybe you have seen this uh, great book from like tip topology, team, uh, team's topology. So this is uh, a, a way also just uh, to see how just to reorganize teams. And also another uh, uh, great book also, it's about uh, dynamic and uh, reteaming. So that's in our uh, context, we uh, understand just it's inevitable that teams will change and just we reshape them just because it's like uh, changes coming all the time. That's why it's uh, these two uh, books to have a look maybe as uh, some insights. Lovely. Well, let's move on to the next question. So, uh, Saleh, would you like to go next? Sure. Uh, so, I'm, I'm uh, you know, we have, uh, we were talking about high-performance teams and um, and of course as you said also Svetlana that that people sometimes don't really need the the extra push or the micromanagement that they're they're in for the scope anyways and they're going to do the tasks perfectly but I think also we we live in an age where uh, we're always connected now being uh, able to work remotely and sometimes even forced to work, uh, work remotely you know the work-life balance thing comes into play so do I always answer Slack messages, uh, emails, etc., and then uh, how can I plan my own time to be as efficient as possible without, uh, you know, hitting the, the getting close to the level where I feel I, I, I don't have control of things anymore and, and I don't feel really uh, stressed, etc. I mean, I, I I think it's a very interesting topic to to just discuss, and I don't know if you because you have a lot of different. Uh, um, experiences from from other companies and organizations i would love to hear how how you guys are handling this if you're if you're thinking about it or not etc uh yeah i think like uh, one thing they again know what lana has mentioned like this trust right so 
uh, work-life balance and trust, I think sometimes they go hand in hand, right? So if a, a person in my team, uh, uh, she has a like in a personal situation that she cannot be uh, present in the office or like come to a meeting and so on. So that's also like uh, she should have the liberty to stay away from that particular meeting. And as a, as a leader, as a manager, uh, we should be covering the back, right? So uh, at the same time, like it's also gives a uh, trust and empowerment feeling to that particular person. And I think that eventually lead to a high performance uh, to the team level. Uh, I agree. So, but I think you, as a, as a manager, you have a really important role in this. So if you're going to allow individuals to kind of steer their own work-life balance, it means that you will work on hours when your colleagues won't work. And then you really need to find a good balance in, is it okay to send a Slack message at, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the evening? Uh, even though you might be working and you know your colleagues aren't, are you setting kind of pressure on them and an expectation for them to read it and answer? So I think as a manager, it's really important that you find a, a way or have a clear, I was going to say have, have a clear contract, but I guess that's an engineering way of seeing things, but have a, have a clear contract on how you actually should communicate. So talk, talk to your team members or, or talk to your manager and say, okay, so I'm working evenings this week. So you will get messages from me late at night. I don't expect you to answer. Uh, it's just that I'm working through my to-do list and I know that I have a lot of things that where you are involved. So it's good for me if I can get them out, but I don't expect you to do anything on this. Is that okay for you or not? And, and if it's not, and, you, you, and you're working with Slack, use the send later feature or whatever, or if you're sending mails, make sure to add, I don't know, timers or delayed send or whatever you want to use on them. So I think that's really kind of an, respectful way to find that work-life balance for so it works for everyone people need to pick up the kids from kindergarten other i don't know have late dinners with with friends at evenings or so the the job schedule really is different for everyone Uh, yeah, and fully agree. It's uh, I, I had some painful experience, <laughs> Johan, but when uh, sent late, even without expectations, but uh, without agreement between people, it can be considered as a like uh, violation of uh, uh, some private time. So it's very uh, fully agree important just to uh, put these expectations. If I send something when it's comfortable for me, but you answer when it's fine for you. So it's uh, in Slack especially. So it's uh, another part in this, uh, I would say um, it's also important uh, uh, for environment and the team uh, uh, that also this Google research also confirmed uh, this Aristotle that teams when they hear even by tone of voice that something is like not uh, maybe completely fine with someone so this is not only from managers, but from for team uh, yourself, it's it also important, like double check, ask some questions, because this is maybe someone uh, getting like to burn out or just so tired that it's important uh, talk to the person and just leave maybe space, uh, just uh, maybe 
go earlier or just uh, take day off. So it's it depends, uh, but this is important. Just listen to people, not only just you know push on for delivery. So this is part of work like work uh, work life balance also. Yeah, and I think like uh, as a as an advocate for work life balance, like you know, we uh, the managers always like try to advocate this work life balance because this is more like a modern way of working, right? So I think we need to also create example um, by walking the walk and talking the talk. So I mean, as a manager, we also are, uh, should not like keep an, uh, give an example of like writing a Slack message after work hours or like some like during the weekend or maybe send a message send an email uh, when uh, we know that like maybe that person is on vacation and so on so that's something that we need to uh, we, we should not like make a confusion confusing uh, example to them so that like yeah we get like a, uh, yeah basically what i'm trying to say is like uh, we have lots of things to create examples towards our team Uh, great input, Sarah, guys. What 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 are what are you doing in at Lendo? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm an expansion manager. What that means, uh, you know, uh, also for me, I mean, work-life balance is also very important. So I do um, normally when we don't have a pandemic, I do travel a lot. So uh, that also implies: do I, for example, do do I fly on the? Should I fly to Portugal in the evening to 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 have a full work day before? And how does that affect my uh, the next day? Because that would then mean I would check into the hotel around midnight. You know, my first thing, we have uh, an hour difference uh, in, in time difference. And a lot of these things is, is uh, you know, um, for me, affecting my work-life balance. And then, I mean, I'm not available during, during flight hours. Is that okay for the team? You know, we have continuous communications there. Um, so I think it's it's very interesting. But to get back to your question, I do uh, a lot of different things. So uh, uh, we when we set up a, a market, we initially, of course, I mean, we do a lot of research, market research. We we check compliance, what what infrastructure how, uh, uh, is available, how's the digital matureness, uh, what type of third party suppliers can we use? For example, we do actually work with Think uh, as a, as a global um, uh, partner. So I mean. Uh, um, a lot of these things, and then we we try to to scope a, a design of the, the the product that we can we can enter the market with, and then also uh, clear a roadmap. I mean, this is the MVP, and then how much can we develop, and what can we develop further on as also uh, the tech infrastructure. You know, things like mobile ID, etc., develops in the market, and how can we use that and implement it into our product to to actually have a, a as digital product as possible. And in this case, we're working in finance and, and um, credit. So it, we do need a lot of information and third party um, supplies to help us with this. I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, that's what I do. <laughs> I, I was uh, looking for what we were doing for the work-life balance situation. But, but I think oh. you answered that in the beginning with the, your, your hotel. Uh, your your flight trips and your your stays. Yeah, I, I can add something to that, and this is uh, for me personally. I I feel I've become more better and better in saying to myself, "This is good enough," and I'm being okay with that. You know, everything doesn't need to be perfect all the time. Just sometimes you just have to say, "This is good enough," and I can I can I can package this. Bump, let's let's go, and then move on to the next thing because otherwise you just spend too much time with. Uh, 
making things perfect and you just get too stressed. But what do you do, uh, Johan? It's uh, interesting to do it, maybe uh, <laughs> walk around just. What do you do? <laughs> wow, that, that's... If you that's have work <laughs> on that, that, That's an interesting question. Uh, what, what do I do? Well, huh, without getting into too personal details, uh, I am doing rehab uh, twice a week now. So I actually check out from the office around, yeah, after lunch and, and had head to the hospital for rehab. Uh, and even though that's quote unquote official work hours, it's totally fine that I'm away three and about three hours, two times a week to actually make sure that I'm feeling better. Uh, and I, I think I would have worked fine in basically all companies I've been, but it's, it's really having that balance if you would work in an old classic company where you have to be there at between nine and five perhaps the uh, possibility to go go away and actually do that rehab for me wouldn't have been there that's good should what, we what are, what are you doing uh, it's a uh... <laughs> I don't. I, I try still to f try to find a work-life balance, but in a way, I'm maybe uh, consider myself more like a happy person from point of view that uh, all my life practically, like what I do, just I really like. I like it. So, and this is it brings like energy back. So that's why it's like this uh, uh, good uh, cycle. And uh, if we connect to high-performing teams and just great people, it's also give energy when just you really would like to meet your peers and just meet with the teams uh, but uh, it's also good to know i'm still learning also early signs when i feel that i'm tired because in this case you have like some space to to react so but if like i missed all the signs it happens uh, so it's more like step back and just uh, prefer to read or listen something, you know, philosophy, history. So just, and this distance, it brings also some uh, like more relaxation because all what we do on a daily basis, our issues, it's practically, you know, from this distance, it's just, it's not issue at all. So, and this is what uh, brings also uh, some good uh, feeling. And Sazat, uh, you didn't, if you would like to share, of course, <laughs> if not, what do you do? Oh, usually I ha actually have already touched upon a little bit. Like I try to uh, create example by my own sort of like uh, work or my, how I am communicating with others and so on. So, I mean, people have different situation at different days. So just try to respect uh, their um, situation and then uh after all we are working in a team so one person if they are down then doesn't mean that the team is down so uh, there are some other people to cover that that uh, that uh, uh, downtime and so on from a particular person so just to make sure that we working as a team and uh, so on that's good and just to um, aware of time just to move on to our last question would you like to introduce yours yes sure uh, i think like uh, for the existing team we have more or less tasked up on but i was actually thinking about uh, how to structure a high performance team from a scratch like i have also 
I have not mentioned Yohan, but I have also worked with some startup. And from that point of view, I have uh, seen some uh, dilemma like, okay, how should we structure a team? Everyone is expecting the team should be performing really good and so on. And let's say there is enough money and there is enough finance situation to hire as a team, like maybe um, enough person to just make the product uh, like, you know, uh, development work going on well and so on. But I mean, what are the things we should keep in mind uh, when uh, when uh, building a team from scratch? So I have, for example, ex uh, considered like uh, maybe the, like the seniority level, uh, if there is like a, a one person that can be more or less like a be a team lead, and then also have considered like um, some sort of like um, domain knowledge or like maybe the knowledge in the industry that the product is about and also about like some persona uh, sort of uh, thing. But I think like the first two things about like uh, experience and um, domain knowledge is easy to quanti quantify and it's easy to also like, you know, validate like if that person has that kind of like you no know, background and so on. But when it comes to about persona, I personally have seen that as the biggest uh, challenge, at least to myself, because uh, after all, these few new persons, they are going to work as a team. Then how this persona will be singing to each other and how they can work together as a team if that will work with. Because from like, you know, just a few round of interview sessions and so on is sometimes um, difficult to understand the persona in a broader uh, spectrum. So uh, maybe I, I get a feeling that, okay, this person will work nicely with the other person, but what if in the real life doesn't work that way and so on? I think this is super interesting. So um, I think one, one thing is the, the skill set, as you said, you, can, you need a domain knowledge, uh, and you need the skill set. So are you looking for, uh, I don't know, a data scientist or an engineer? They need to be able to actually know how to write code and how to, to, to I don't know, structure database. So whatever they're gonna do, they, they kind of need to have that basic skill set for what they are supposed to do. But on top of this, I think there are a couple of personal traits that you kind of need to look for when trying to structure a high functional team from a blank sheet. You need individuals that have a high drive, that actually want to do a thing, and that are not too locked into that one thing that they want to do. So they actually have the ability to, in kind of high speed, set out to try to figure out how something works, and then being able to switch lanes when it's needed. So have that kind of generic drive thing. I think it's really, really important. Another important thing. I believe is being able to be um, an informal leader. So you shouldn't have the need for being appointed leader, but you, you realize when you need to pick up and when you need to coach your colleagues and when you need to help people and, and when you kind of need to be in, in the front and leading people and when you need to be in the back and actually pushing people forward. Being that kind, having that personal trait of being that informal leader, I think is also really important. And the last one I think is having the ability to collaborate with these colleagues. 
so I think it's really, really hard to build a high performing team if you don't have individuals that are having a high drive, having um, are informal leaders in themselves and have the ability to collaborate and communicate between themselves. So I really think those are three personal traits that you need to look for if you have the ability to build a team from scratch. Uh, okay, to say something, Lana? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just uh, to uh, add, uh, just uh, that it, it's great uh, input from uh, Johan, but just what you mentioned also uh, that you don't know how people will work uh, together. Uh, and uh, we know that, uh, that each team, uh, each team <laughs> go via this uh, uh, phases uh, like uh, forming, storming, <laughs> norming, performing. So, and that's uh, art of. Uh, uh, formal informal leaders just to to do like do it uh, faster so and uh, one of uh, uh, what can be used here uh, that during a recruitment before you hire a person just at least uh, like key people uh, from team they meet uh, this potential uh, peer so and in this case uh, just to see if they are like uh, are fine and just they are part of recruitment not only like manager like hire someone so in this case it will be longer this storming phase uh, probably if not maybe not but just uh, it's it will help if just a team will participate in this case okay they made this decision also to uh, hire uh, to be work with this person Harvard Business Review released this article I don't know a few weeks ago I think it was I think it's called high, five things high performing teams does or something like that. So one thing that I have, the thing that I've done was that I have analyzed high performing teams now during the Corona pandemic that we have. So how have the teams been affected when you actually can work remotely? Working remote is amazing. People have the ability to actually concentrate and, and zoom in and be focused, but, but how does it actually affects the team that you're working in. And I don't remember all of these five things, but one of them was that they were really good communicators. They picked up the phone and they talked to the colleagues. They talked to people when they needed to figure things out. And I think that is a really important thing. So we are going into, I think, I think most companies are going into this kind of new structure where you will have teams that will work remote. You will have teams that will work in some kind of hybrid solution where you partly at the office and partly working from somewhere else and you will have this um, at office on-prem on-site whatever you want to call the the teams that needs to actually be in but you will you'll end up in, in a total new kind of structure on how teams are are structured now moving forward and in this i think the, what was really the key in this article from from our business review that i read was that it doesn't matter you need to communicate in your team. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to perform well. Another one of those things that I really liked was that they individuals in high-performing high teams were authentic. So if you're having a bad day, they actually told your colleagues that you were having a bad day. And I really liked the idea of that, that you, you have that trust that we talked about earlier in this session, that it's actually okay to go into the office and say, I'm feeling shit today. This is going to be a crappy day, but I'm here, I'm gonna do my best. Just just let me be and, and don't bother me if you don't really need. Super, we all just wave here. <laughs> all agree, yes.
Any add last points, Sirad? No, I don't have anything else to add. No. Perfect. Well, does anybody else before we finish and wrap it up? And maybe last uh, comment. So... Yeah, you, you go on. No, no, it's just a uh, last comment just uh, about uh, also uh, whether fine tune or scratch and just um, different topics we discuss. It's uh, uh, it, it's always important like context. And that's why this topic about high performance teams is just endless. <laughs> it will be maybe change name efficient team or uh, whatever, but it's endless because it's such a complex environment. Just that uh, we, we work that it's uh, anyway, just uh, it, it's uh, it's not possible practically to do recommendation unless just go and understand context. It's some good patterns, but anyway, it just comes uh, to us to adapt. And that's why also like whether to start from scratch uh, team and do this high performance or fine tune, it's again just good, what is good for purpose. So and to how much time and uh, budget uh, we have. So context and back to Kinefin, this is... Uh, very important uh, context also understand where we are what we try to achieve yeah. yeah totally agree i think like the high performance is subject to definition right so different people can think like the high performance in a different ways and depending on the team's current phase i think the high performance is also like can be viewed in a different angle i just want to add a last word from my in this topic, but I really think it's an interesting topic. But as you said, Svetlana, it's really, there is the ability to start from scratch. It's, it very seldom, seldom actually happens. Usually you already have a team and that team is not high performing and you kind of need to find a way to guide them into becoming at least better in the, their performance. And that's the big challenge here. The big challenge is not when you can start from a blank sheet and you have 10 perfect candidates that you can put into a room. That's, then it's not a hard thing. The hard thing is when you have a dysfunctional team or a non-functional team and you kind of need to figure out because how do you actually make this team performing as, at, at their best? And how can we as manager actually help them and support them to get there? That's the interesting question, I think. Perfect. And I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> well, maybe that could be another podcast and we can delve into that one next time. But I think we'll leave it there for today. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all of you for taking part. Um, it's been great to listen to your point of views. And I think we've covered quite an array of topics tonight. And thank you for listening.